Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right, you guys, welcome to episode number 41 of Grow Bud Yourself. Welcome to the show. We have a great one for you guys today. Our guest is Swerve, the breeder for the Cali Connection. We have a great grow subject for you guys, growing big in small spaces, strain of the fortnight, grow Q&A, all brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. Stick around for Grow Bud Yourself, episode 41, coming at you. All right, welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. Uh, Mike G, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling feeling ready to do a great show. Excellent. It's episode 41. I can't think of any sports figures who wear the number 41. So uh, There's got to be somebody. Oh, I'm sure there is, for sure. But I just can't think of ones. <laughs> so uh, we'll just call it episode 41, you know? No, I'm Googling it. I'm curious. <laughs> nice. The best athletes who wore 41 as ranked by fans. Let's see if the uh, Tom Seaver. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Dirk Nowitzki. There, Gosh, I okay. should have known that. There you Dirk go. Nowitzki. Okay, so it's the the Tom and Dirk episode. There you go. Eddie Matthews, but he was a he was a little before our time. The player yes. in the 50s. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Episode 41. The Dirk episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great show. And uh, obviously, you know. We, we want to keep it uh, positive. We want to have a, you know, a good vibe, a happy vibe for everybody. But, you know, in, in the world of cannabis, I think you learn <laughs> if you're in the industry for any length of time or even if you just uh, enjoy uh, consuming cannabis, there's going to be some bad things that happen. And, yeah, uh, it feels like two steps forward, one step back. Always, know, always. Always. Yeah. So we had some great news last election day, uh, some almost improbable, uh, incredible news that uh, voters in South Dakota, 54% of the voters, uh, passed a constitutional amendment there that would legalize cannabis. Nice. Adult use law. Yeah, it's amazing, Sounds like great news. (laughs) Well, it was, yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, their governor, Christy Noem, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, it's N-O-E-M, Christy Noem, who... You know, for what it's worth, maybe worth nothing, but is described in several, uh, you know, news outlets as a, quote, close ally of former President Trump. But, uh, you know, the governor of South Dakota, Kristi Noem, she she was opposed to legalization from the jump. She didn't want this to happen at all. And then once it passed, uh, what what she decided to do was take it on herself to to basically uh, get rid of legalization for the voters of South Dakota. And she instructed the uh, Highway Patrol Superintendent Colonel Rick Miller to file a lawsuit on her uh, behalf. And the uh, circuit judge who then heard the uh, lawsuit was a judge that was appointed by Governor Nome, of course. And that judge, very surprisingly, agreed with uh, the governor and found the legalization amendment unconstitutional and uh, struck it down. And legalization was overturned in South Dakota. Um... Advocates there are saying that they're going to appeal, they're going to take it to the Supreme Court, but keep in mind that uh, Noam personally appointed two of the five justices that are currently on South Dakota's Supreme Court, so kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. This is what's what the people voted for. 
and that's democracy. I'm sorry. I, I don't get it. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, the cops that used to bust us back in the day saying, hey, we're just doing our job. You know, if you change the law and then and then you know, <laughs> you they lobby. The but then, yeah, and they lobby against changing the law. You know what I mean? The same the same ones. It's like, hey, look, you can't have it both ways. If you tell us to change the law and then we change it, you got to live with the changes. That's, you know, how democracy works. That's what democracy looks like. And nothing polls better in America than cannabis, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it polls better than Biden. It polls better than healthcare. It basically, you know, is the least partisan issue out there for the most part. I mean, obviously, you know, certain parties favor changes more than others, but the the reality of the electorate is most of America favors an end to marijuana prohibition. Obviously, most of those South Dakotans favored it. And here we have a politician trying to reverse the will of the people. It's outrageous, as if they know better than we do what's best for us. It's it's Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, Governor Nome actually went on record uh, saying that the voters, quote, made the wrong choice when they approved legalization. So these are the same voters that I assume elected her. Yeah, I don't know. Some of these politicians have to understand you don't get to pick and choose. You know, if people decide uh, something should be legal and they vote for it and it's ratified, then that's that's that. That's the will of the people, and, and that's the way it should be. And, you know, particularly for people that believe in states' rights and things like that, even more so, uh, if people voted on it, that's the way it should be, whether it's euthanasia, whether it's abortion, whatever the subject, there's lots of controversial stuff out there. But, you know, that's why we have a democracy, and that's why we get to vote on these things. And if our votes don't matter, then something's wrong. And uh, obviously... Something's wrong in South Dakota. And again, you know, if you don't haven't realized yet how important it is to vote, it, you know, I think uh, I think it's time to, to come up with the realization of that, of how important these things are. And I think we're going to learn all of that in the next few years as well. Yeah. And there, there's two ways, I think, that you could take what you just said, you know, because you, you could look at this and say, well, what the heck is the point of voting if what I vote for then just gets overturned by these powerful people that are able to do that? But then the other way of looking at it is if you really don't like this, vote her ass out. <laughs> right. You I know? Mean, yeah. You got to vote for the thing you want and against the things you don't want, which means vote for legalization. And if there's a politician who's obviously... Uh, sub subverting the will of the people, you vote against them and vote for their opponents. And you get people in politics that support your ideas and support democracy. The majority of the people, and this is across the United States and all the states, uh, support the end of marijuana prohibition. And, and I think uh, a lot of these politicians and other entities out there have a lot to lose from it and they're going to stand in the way but we can't let them stand in the way we got to vote them out peacefully and uh you know protest against them as well peacefully so that's that, that was the big you know cannabis story but you know just let's maybe do a couple of these quick hitters here uh just to keep everyone apprised on the world of weed uh they're dallas dallas texas has a new police chief and interestingly there you wouldn't really think of dallas as uh being you know having this on the books but what they wanted to do was sort of one of those uh, lowest priority situations where cops in Dallas just wouldn't arrest people for a minor marijuana possession. 
Unfortunately, the new uh, police chief jumped in and uh, he kind of put the brakes on that situation and asked them to stop stopping the arrests because uh, he, he's not convinced that this is the way to go. And he made a big show of bringing in the amount that was quote-unquote decriminalized. It's not really decriminalized. It's just uh, not prioritized. But he brought in a, a two ounces of some substance, not cannabis, and then, you know, showed everybody what that would look like if it was bagged up in Nick Sacks or something to show what a menace this uh, this this stuff would be. So, I don't know, what do you think here? We You know, you finally get a little progress in Dallas, and then the new police chief wants to stop everything. Yeah, I mean, a similar story. It's like uh, they're stuck in the past, and uh, they need it to stay a certain way, and the, the, that way is changing, and they're not adapting to the changes. They are trying to keep it the old way, and, you know, it's in their best interests, I think. You know, obviously, they get more arrests. They get more people in jail. They Their numbers are bumped up. But that doesn't help people. That doesn't protect people. And that doesn't make Dallas a safer place. You know, and I think ultimately your job is to make Dallas a safer place. Uh, and if you're wasting your time on these minor pot busts, you're not paying attention to what's happening, you know, with violent people doing doing violent things to others. And I think, you know, that's really where we should be focusing our energies in, in, as far as law enforcement goes. And, you know, it's just a shame that some of these uh, officials are stuck in the old ways. And I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that they understand that we don't want the priority to be on cannabis and, and, and nonviolent uh, drug offense enforcement, whether it be Dallas or anywhere else. And, you know, again, we just have to make our voices heard. You can only stop the flow for so long. You know, it's like trying to stop an avalanche or a waterfall. Eventually, you know, we win. <laughs> uh, let's do a couple more of these here. Uh, yeah, here's some words I never thought that I would say, but there's a marijuana shortage in Jamaica. Uh, <laughs> allegedly. A, yeah, allegedly. Well, there was a prolonged drought, uh, the so-called increased consumption there, and also fewer ganja farmers, and uh, there's this sort of unthinkable drop in the amount of available pot in Jamaica. Yeah, that's that's strange. Uh, usually there's plenty of pot in Jamaica and so yeah. much so that it's very uh, abundant and affordable uh, if you know the right people. But uh, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if anything, the laws have changed there and I think there should be more ganja growing all throughout Jamaica. Um, and uh, I'm not quite sure what to what to make of that. But I mm. think, uh, you know, they just need to grow more more ganja and export less if they need if they need to keep it on the island just keep it on the island yeah one one official i don't have it in front of me here but uh, someone referred to it as a national embarrassment um i don't think it's something that's going to last very long well something yeah. needs to happen we can't allow this uh this pot drought to continue in jamaica so let's maybe Agreed. do like a, a live aid or some kind of uh, benefit for them last one here and i think you're going to like this our old pal uh, Marshawn Lynch, former running back in the NFL, played for the Seahawks and briefly for the Raiders. He's starting his own cannabis brand, and i got to get your take on this. Uh, it is a line of, quote, premium cannabis that will, quote, be diamond-infused. And uh, it's an Oakland-based company, and it's called Doty Blunts. Interesting. Diamond-infused. Diamond-infused. Now, are they talking about the mineral diamonds, or are they talking about... <laughs> 
diamonds, uh, like probably the di- diamonds probably, yeah, diamonds. that you make from uh, concentrates. Probably that. I okay. think the other well, would, hey. would be unpleasant to smoke. <laughs> Agreed, but you never know, you know. Right. <laughs> some yeah. some brands just decide to do something crazy. I said, I mean, they have those gold rolling papers, and they mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, all kinds of funny stuff going on out there in the world. But uh, yeah, if it's diamonds, uh, f- the concentrate version of diamonds, then hey, so sounds like a blunt I'd like to try. Um, I think you know, there's kind of a thing going on with like these celebrity brands where you know just because you put a celebrity's name on something doesn't make it good or desirable mm. and i know jay-z just got in the biz and you know it, it's tough i mean i think you know it it is a tough business whether you have a celebrity behind you or not i think you know if you look at willie's reserve or, or snoop's brands and stuff those are fairly successful whereas there's plenty of other ones where you know you wonder you know if they're just hoping to just sell anything, you know, under the name of someone's, uh, f- you know, fame rather than due diligence and, and, and making sure they have a great product. I mean, that's the most important thing. If it's not high quality, it's not going to survive. So good luck on the brand. And I think, uh, you know, every there's room for lots of brands in the business, but uh, the cream of the crop will rise to the top. And I think you have to maintain quality and that's how you build a brand in in this industry, as far as I can tell. Yeah, well, I have a feeling that Marshawn Lynch uh, knows his his cannabis, so I, I I think he'll be successful at this, and I hope so. And it's good to see a, another pro athlete kind of go in this direction. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is a, a little brief look at what's going on in the world of weed. Uh, we hope that was of interest. But this show is not all current events and news and opinion. We also have a great interview coming up with an old friend. Yeah, and tons of grow information after that. And yeah, our old friend Swerve from the Cali Connection. Very excited to have Swerve on the show. He's been on uh, past episodes uh, on panels. And I think we did one quickie uh, in Hawaii uh, where I just interviewed him at the booth, but it was nice to get him on for like a nice longer interview and learn a little bit of more more about him and uh, his adventures in the cannabis world. Uh, always love talking to breeders who were around back in those days of uh, you know the clone swapping and the internet stuff and uh, American breeders as well. I think it's very interesting, and it was just nice to see when uh, TGA and Subcool, Ms. Jill, and and Swerve, and all this sort of that that round of companies started popping up, and and America started being more represented in the seed world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're going to get into all of that in the interview. So, what do you think? Should we just jump right into it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we will be back after these messages with Swerve from the Cali Connection on Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, you guys! This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible. THC infused relief rub Uh, and now this stuff really works and uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast and she needs very very strong topicals Uh, so the relief rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts all one word Uh, DM them for info on the relief rub if you're interested 
and uh, give them a follow. Uh, they're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great interview in store for you guys. Uh, he's been on the show before, the old show and the new show, to be honest, but all too briefly and on panels and things like that. So we wanted to catch up with our old friend, Swerve, from the Cali Connection. Welcome, Swerve. Hey, hey guys. How are you guys today? Amazing. And uh, yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Swerve is the founder of the Cali Connection, I believe starting in 2008. Yeah. And uh, he's won many dozens of cannabis cups and other awards and all kinds of uh, other prizes. So, Swerve, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, it's crazy times out there right now. So the fact that you guys still think about me and the fact that you guys are are keeping going and keeping up with everything, and I appreciate the opportunity to just have everybody listen to my myself talk so thank you very much for having <laughs> me on your show i appreciate it guys oh absolutely absolutely um so i want to dive back into the past and uh you know we mentioned that you you started cali connection in 2008 so you're running on uh you know 13 years of uh, producing seeds and in particular i think you know you're one of the things you're well known for is bringing a lot of those cali flavors out uh into seed form strains that were clone onlys or that were uh, you know heavily guarded and hoarded and and not really released to the public in strain form. Uh, tell me a little bit about your early experiences. You're actually a cannabis patient as well, correct? Yeah. So I originally became a medical marijuana patient. Holy moly! Wow. Yeah. So oh, man, we're really like wow. wow. <laughs> we're getting old. Yeah. So basically, I became a, mar- a medical marijuana patient. I think it was either. 1998 or 1999 it was like well i think i was 19 years old you know so most people don't know which is also one of the things that you know everybody kind of likes to poke fun at me is is my eye so i'm actually half blind and that's kind of what led me into the whole medical marijuana situation and i was like fuck man i'm getting high and i want to do this shit the medical way you know oh let's see what this medical marijuana is at least i could like have like a quote unquote get out of jail free card if I get caught with it. And then all of a sudden somebody told me about these dispensaries and I was like, wait, what? And there was 12 of them. I want to say in the San Fernando Valley at the time, like 2000, 2001. Now I started kind of growing some marijuana and started to kind of source some different genetics. Cause no offense, marijuana back in the two thousands was very expensive, man. I mean, you know, especially the higher end OG, you're talking $75 an eighth here in Los Angeles, you know, so it wasn't really cheap shit, you know, it was expensive stuff. And then like the BC bud was still 60 bucks an eight, you know, and it's BC, but it's not really that the best. So, you know, it was a cool kind of, so to speak transition. And then, yeah, 2003 hit and I started to really, uh, up my growing game. And I started to really source the genetics that I kind of quote unquote became, familiar and popular with and 2004 2005 i noticed that nobody had these genetics in their stores so 2006 we started hitting the the dispensaries with the clones and we were killing it man and i mean when i say killing it i'll I'll be blunt with everybody it was crazy i mean i i personally had a full-time 
video editing job. I had my own office, my own, I had four computer in front of me or four computer monitors in front of me, three monster machines that would allow me to video edit and compress anything. So that's what I did for a living was compression and video. And then um, my side gig kind of took over in a weird way because all of a sudden I dropped off a tray of clones and I was like, wait a second, you're going to give me how much money? <laughs> that's, that's like almost two weeks pay. <laughs> like, holy shit. You know? And I was like, this is not right. And then progressively started to do that. And then, you know, we're all familiar with the world of weed. You guys have very much so been majorly a part of the world of weed for the last better part of two plus decades. And, um, you know, yeah, we just, was trading clones through the the world of weed is what I like to call it. And basically my clones ended up getting to somebody who I wasn't familiar with in 2008, the Cali connection came about and we haven't looked back. Yeah. Yeah. So you started with the clone business and that was Swerve's cuts. Yep. Uh, and we should mention some of those strains that you we were talking about uh, in 2003 and 2004, would be you know the the cream of the crop at the time of OG Kush's uh, the original Tahoe OG um, SFV San Fernando Valley OG uh, Larry OG um, original Sour Diesel uh, Bubba Kush from the pre ninety eight Sour we have we have G to thank you know if it wasn't for G and crew over there you know Cam Dog you know if it wasn't for them we, we I, I wouldn't know what real Sour Diesel was <laughs> right so. So you went from uh, from distributing clones to dispensaries and growers to actually creating your own seeds. Um, now, how did you go about choosing male plants? What's the process by which you find a good uh, breeding male? So, well, to find a good breeding male, you actually have to kind of know what your end point and end game, you want your end game to be. So you can start to check off certain things that you would like certain, um, certain, uh, traits. Yeah. Attributes that really stand out compared to the rest of them, you know? So that's one of the things like we're searching for a male, you know, obviously. And then having a good starting point too is, is super crucial. Cause obviously you have to, if, if you want to end somewhere amazing, you have to start somewhere really good. You can't start somewhere questionable and then expect to end somewhere amazing. You have to start good to get to amazing. And basically how it all kind of played out for me was when a, another individual in the uh, marijuana world got some of the genetics that I was passing out um, in, in a trade to get basically the chem clones, he ended up receiving the clones. And I wasn't too fond of this breeder. So that's what kind of led me to, to doing the seeds. And we did a thing with um, Captain Crip and uh, kryptonite genetics or kryptonite seeds. And that's where I did my first initial back cross. So in order to for me to have created the SFV male, we obviously had to have the SFV female, which we did. Um, and then we took something that was going to be basically the polar opposite of it, but very similar to it, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Pretty much in the terms of everybody knew at the time, OG Kush was very lanky, very thin, um, viney, spindly um, stems, not the biggest producer. So we wanted to introduce it to something that's the polar opposite, very hardy, very solid in terms of, of structure, in terms of everything. And that's the Afghani. So we, that was how we did our initial crops was the Afghani number one male 
And through, uh, I think it was Homegrown Fantasies by way of Captain Crip. And then that's how we did our first selection of finding a solid OG Kush male to start to work with. And one that we found in an F3 progeny is where we actually kind of struck gold. And that was the one that led us to be able to pretty much put OG Kush into seed form in a regular version. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I just remember uh, you mentioned, you know, the cannabis cups and, and going over to Amsterdam and for a long time in the two thousands, you'd go there and anyone that was there from California, you know, was like, Dago, where's the Kush? You know, I've been to 50, I've been to 50 coffee shops. I can't have not, where's the Kush? I, I smoke better weed back home, blah, blah, blah. So I heard that for like a decade. <laughs> I mean, Hey, I'm with then, you on that. <laughs> I heard that. I'm with you on that. I agree with that statement. That's why I brought my own dank to Amsterdam. I'm not only I'm one of those jackasses that brought the good weed to Amsterdam. Right. You brought your own staff. I brought my own good staff. <laughs> right. And then uh, by by 2011, you were winning awards uh, in the Cup with the uh, Tahoe OG taking third place uh, in the Indica category and uh, even some hash categories as well being one with that. And you, it really transformed the gene pool in a lot of ways at that time. I mean, between, you know, the internet and the trading of clones and things, and then being able to actually get seeds of something like the SFVOG or, or the Bubba uh, really changed the game. Did you face any kind of backlash for bringing those strains out to the general public or how was, how did, how was that handled? You know, I always face backlash for some <laughs> reason. I've, I've dubbed myself the pincushion of the marijuana industry because it's like when I do it, uh, uh-uh. if somebody else does it, it's like, yeah, we'll give him a pass. It's okay. He's new here. Or, you know, he's, he's been around or something like that for me. It's, it's always been different, but that's also because for lack of a better term. Yeah. I started the company on a controversial strain to begin with, you know, the OG Kush, the, the, the folklore of OG Kush, the folklore of Bubba Kush, where did they come from? Who did it come from first? How did it appear? Where did it, you know, where did it appear? And it's like people like me who are born and raised in the SFV, you know, I'm first generation in America, first generation in SFV, you know, so it's, it's, uh, this is the only place that I'm familiar with in terms of marijuana and the weed that we've been smoking throughout my whole life, you know, is dramatically changed. And once OG Kush hit, in 95, 96, it dramatically changed the landscape of marijuana in California. So that's that that that's kind of like the cool thing is, and then going to Amsterdam, that was even better to be able to bring Killer Chronic from Cali to Amsterdam. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you did mention that you've, you 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 have that reputation a little bit of being kind of piled up on by people, uh, and I think a lot of that does have to do with. Uh, bringing out strains that you know people felt like they were you know uh, somehow money makers. You know, right. I mean, if you, if you look at it like you know, and, and at the at the time, I didn't really look at it in a business fashion. Now that I'm like more business minded and business like and business savvy, so to speak, I definitely look at it like, yeah, I would be pissed off too at these guys because I just tapped into their money making machine and their bread now is their. They're, they're, there's other there's other bakers now and now there's a whole bunch of bakers and all of a sudden now there's so many bakers that my five thousand dollar 
beautiful, lovely loaves of bread are now $2,000 and you're the asshole that caused it. So I could understand that kind of, that kind of thing. But then it's like the other side of the fence where how selfish are you? Because if you're only thinking about you, that's kind of messed up because there's all these other people out there in the world that love to smoke killer weed. And why not give them the opportunity to smoke the bomb ass kush that we smoke? I mean, it makes sense. You know, so are you being selfish or are you just trying to protect your own? So, it's you know, it's it's kind of a quasi, but I looked at it as the other side. I looked at it as, nah, man, everybody needs to enjoy what we enjoy in California. And I'm going to be the one that's going to provide it for them. <laughs> nice. Now, uh, you mentioned some new uh, some new projects that you're working on. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what uh, – what are some of the new projects and what you got cooking? Well, we got some big things in the works. Um, you know, we really haven't divulged too much because I'm one of these people that I like to wait until everything's done and actually in, in, in solid in front of me and written. It's there. It's actually factual. So I keep things kind of to myself a lot of the times until it, it, it manifests. We've been working very do, very diligently on getting back into the California market because see, like what most people don't realize is for the last year and a half, we have actually been out of the market because of licensing scenarios. And the main reason why is because most people aren't very familiar with the fact that we were raided three years ago, you know, and we lost our 120 light facility, you know, and that was all me, only me. And when I say all me, only me, I literally mean I financed it through and with all of the events that we did at the Cannabis Cups and stuff like that. We took that and rolled it right back into the company and we invested into ourselves and, and just expanded. And we had our big, you know, acre property with our 10,000 square foot um, facility. And, you know, we, we unfortunately lost it due to a mistake by um, one of our contractors, you know, he set off our alarm and uh, typed in the wrong type of scenario and it set a what's called a hard alarm to the police, which is basically as if you have a home invasion taking place and somebody's being held up. You have to check room to room to room to room. So, yeah. So, needless to say, uh, while ironically enough, I was at my son's schools um, having a meeting with the principal because there was an issue that we had uh, with our, one of our cars being broken into on their lot. My phone's ringing saying, hey, the cops are coming to your facility because of this situation. So I had to go. I had to get arrested in order to get these two people to get set free. So basically they had the workers and obviously they don't care about the workers. They want the boss. So obviously, you know, I showed up and I talked to them and then they put me in handcuffs and uh, I caught a case, you know, and, but I have a, had a great lawyer, Eric Shevin, high five, Eric. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, fortunately for me, it's again, this quasi thing that I live. It's unfortunately, unfortunately for me, since I have multiple sclerosis now, you know, and have for the last decade, I'm a legitimate marijuana, medical marijuana patient and I'm a legitimate businessman and everything that we've done was completely correct. So because of that, I did not catch a case. I got what was called a judicial diversion. So that threw everything into a tailwind for us, stalled everything out for me. And basically for two years, I had to behave. So here we are now, three years later, we've been working really hard, 
pushing, 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 and we now own, that's only us, there's no investors, 10 acres of land. We've put into our actual California recreational marijuana application, so we should hopefully have 10,000 square feet to start of canopy space, plus 5,000 square feet for our nursery. So we'll be back into the California market full force. The way that where we were headed, because I don't know if you remember, right at the towards the end of the 2020, right before all that craziness took place, 2000, I think it was like right before I got raided, we were releasing our extracts and our, our flower to the community. Um, we were trying to go a true seed to sale, which is what the laws say. We breed it. We grow it, we harvest it, we sell it. Not we buy the clones, we grow it, we harvest it, and sell it and say we're seed to sell. So we we have now that ability to go full term. So we'll have our seeds back on the market in California, our flower back on the market in California, as well as our extracts uh, when we come to a good solid deal with a uh, extract maker here in California. Cool. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what is Swerve Juice? I noticed that uh, for sale on your website. Okay. So Swerve Juice is basically put out for the modern day backyard breeder, the modern day small breeder, the modern day seed company, the modern day large seed brand. It gives them the ability to make feminized seeds. So we took the same method that I was so nicely um, given for a denomination of euros uh, from our good friends over at, uh, you know, our boys over at uh, Nicholas Strat, right? Okay, Nicholas Strat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think you guys will. So, you know, because, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're all friends. And um, at the time, they were uh, telling me how you want to get into this. The reg seeds are great. The feminized seeds where it's at. So they helped me with the, the potion of demotion. And then they gave me the potion and we just kept with it. So the potion, um, the sodium thiosulfate ultimately comes by way of Dave Watson, Sam, the skunk man. Um, and it was his method that was passed to them. And then they passed it on to me. And then I tweaked it over the years and, my recipe now is a little different than what I was originally given and worked. Um, and basically it's sodium thiosulfate and it allows you to create feminized seeds. It allows you to reverse your female plants into males or your male plants into females and allows you to create a feminized seed or an all male seed. So people don't realize that because everybody re- thinks, well, you're changing a female to a male. Nobody ever thinks about the other side of the fence. So if you want to really be a true breeder and you want to really know if your male is doing something, here's a clue. Here's a hint. Here's, here's an FYI. Take some potion. Take your male. Put, the, put your males into a different care area that none of that pollen is going to hit anything and reverse them. And what they'll do is they will actually reverse into a, into a female and they will create buds and you can actually smoke your male. And you'll be able to tell if it's going to be any good or not. Um, people don't realize that it's not going to be like these crazy female structured plants and buds, you know, but it will, will change over to a female and have 
a you know more of a stacked calyx, long elongated calyx kind of growth. There will be seeds as well. Those seeds are going to contain super males, like you know all male seeds, just like the female would be all female seeds. Those will be all male seeds. You know, so it's a it's just the ability for somebody to do it. You know, we didn't we're not taxing people the way that some of the other potions on the market so to speak are where it's like $300 for a little bottle that's like this big and once it's done it's done ours you can actually make a full thousand milliliter so a full spray spray bottle and it'll last you however long you I mean it'll last about three weeks to a month in the refrigerator um, you know and it won't really lose its potion because it's the actual chemical compound that changes over the ethylene in the actual plant so it's what it's supposed to do right not in hopes of and it's not like the old gibralic acid it's not the old it's not colloidal silver related it's actually sodium thiosulfate you know so it's silver nitrate sodium thiosulfate interesting yeah and then you add the water prior to when you want to apply it to your plants and i think that's great so even someone who just found a great pheno that they want to hang on to and they don't have a mother plant of it uh, can reverse it and uh, create their own feminized well. seeds. I guess that's interesting. You also sell autoflowers as well, uh, and even uh, you have a, a hemp seed line, right? Yeah. So we got into hemp about two years ago because, ironically enough, I've always wanted to do hemp. We have a hemp company. It's called Pacific the Pacific Coast Hemp Company. So it's TCHC uh, or yeah, the Pacific Coast TPCH. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's um, and uh, so the whole the whole thing behind it was to highlight the Pacific Coast and to highlight you know all of the hemp that we can create here in California. And then I got a cease and desist by somebody who decided to trademark the name right like right after I filed the LLC. So we had to toss that. So we started to focus on the actual product itself and release the seeds. So we um, released Boax, which was one that we worked on for a while, and it was very solid for us and a different varietal uh, to kind of hit the market compared to all the, the ones that everybody's used to, the autos and um, the uh, – God, now I keep forgetting. I forgot them all. It's like the R4 or <laughs> something like that. That's um, a popular one. Yeah, you know, it's like all the different hemp varieties that all of a sudden, you know, now there's more because now they've been able to breed them and spend the time to create more. You know, at the time when we did it, there wasn't really too many. And then the autoflower side of the fence is a huge thing because, well, we're not all we're not all fortunate to be in California, man. I mean, that's the reality of it. You got people like you that have snow on the ground outside, you know, people that have to deal with, you know, a 12-12 all the time. You know, it, it's we're a, we're a worldwide brand. I mean, you guys know that because you're familiar because we first met over on the other part of the world. So you guys are, <laughs> are you know, know that. But like, yeah, you know, people don't realize just how much of like a worldwide brand that we are. So we do have people that sit so far north that they have to have plants that finish faster. Otherwise, those things get covered in snow. they they do freeze you know it might be a blue sky but it's literally a nice wonderful gorgeous negative four degrees out you know so it's like people don't realize that so the autoflower was a big thing that people started to kind of contact us with the and because you know we do have our spanish relations with our with our other branch in spain we have that ability to tap into some of the more 
refined auto flowers. So we, we, we had them create some auto flowers of our genetics and with our lines. So we have a Girl Scout auto. We have our Island Punch. That's an auto flower. We have our Deadhead. That's an auto flower. And our biggest auto flower, our biggest yielding auto flower, which is our Boss Hog. Things a monster. It's like two and a half pounds. In, and it's all of like four. Like I want to say, honestly, I think it topped out about 39 inches maybe 40 inches and it yielded two and a half pounds dry it was like come on and it was (laughs) done in 95 days from start to finish you're just like why wouldn't you want to grow this stuff i mean honestly (laughs) you're a cash cropper this is like god's dreams for you you know but we're still so anti that in america it's weird yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, you know, now that we're creating a lot more concentrates out of things like that as well, I think that's starting to change. Um, but tell me also about uh, the gold line to, uh, by TCC. Well, you know, the gold line, so, uh, you know, everybody likes to have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just the way to put it. And, and the, the reality, the whole premise behind it is exactly that. It's going to be something that's not going to be the biggest of yielder. It's not going to be the, the like, you know, fill your bags full of chronic. It's going to be fill a bag full of exquisite chronic. It's going to fill the bag full of crystals and trichromes on a stick. It's going to fill a bag of something that's going to, you know, sparkle right back when the, when, when the, you know, light hits it. It's that kind of premise behind the whole thing is what we wanted to do. So it's, it's exactly that it's the higher end stuff. So we got all the, you know, the, the cookies and all the, uh, gelatos and, you know, some of the newer stuff, we got the apple fritters and the Cushman's and all the hot shit, you know, like, I mean, we're, we're fortunate once again, that we're in LA and we're in California because we have access to everything, you know? And I mean, my, my mother list right now that we're moving over to the uh, facility once it's, um, gets rocking over here is you know it's a laundry list of people's dreams and and a laundry list of the breeders that created its nightmares because we have access to it and everybody knows what that means when we have when we have it it means everybody's going to get it (laughs) amazing we're running a little long but i wanted to just get this in um you know we discussed a little bit uh, about you going over to Amsterdam, doing the cups there and the impact you had. And then, of course, about a decade ago, you know, you started doing the cups in America and had a huge impact uh, there, even in your, you know, sort of your backyard in San Bernardino. But uh, what was immediately apparent to me, and I think a lot of people that first uh, encountered your brand at the cup was the effort that you kind of put into your branding and the success that you've had there. And I, I always wondered, is that just something that came naturally to you? Is that something that you had a background in? Because um, I feel like that that's an important aspect. Obviously, you know, the quality of the genetics are, are foremost of, uh, you know, the utmost importance, but, but your branding has always been on point. No, that's the reality of it. Um, I don't have any formal marketing, anything. I don't have any background in, in any of that. Uh, advertising, marketing, none of that. Um, you know, like I said, I was a computer uh, compression engineer and a, a video editor um, and then construction by trade because I'm Italian. That's just kind of a natural for us. <laughs> we don't have a choice. We fall in it with our family. But um, I, I, I always felt there's just one premise when it came to my brand and there's one premise that I come that came to realize when it came to marketing is the more I could get you 
to see and to just feel my brand and to see my brand and to see the Cali connection, hear the Cali connection, just the Cali connection, the Cali connection. That's why we had such big boost. That's why the moment that High Times came to America and they were like, hey, we're doing the show, uh, show in San, uh, San Francisco. You're interested? We were like, hell yes. Hell yeah, man. I mean, we're the biggest thing in California. Everybody knows who we are. Everybody's going to know who we are if we're not after this. And that was the whole thing is the more the more they have to know, to just have no choice but to digest you, the more they're going to see it and automatically reflect and be like, oh, shit, that's that. Oh, and then with the big boots and then the big sponsorships and throwing the, the having the parties and having all the, the, you know, the performers and going on stage and throwing all the, the marketing shit off and all the T-shirts giveaways and all the lanyards and bags. And it was just that the more people saw it, the more they're going to correlate to it and the more they're going to just kind of when they see it, they're just going to automatically kind of go to it. They're going to be just drawn to it without any it's that subliminal marketing without any realization. They're going to be like, oh, my God, wait a second. And then they're going to walk over and they're going to read your pamphlet because they've seen it before or they're familiar with it or, you know, it's something it, that was my whole thing. Just <laughs> jam it down their throat. Let everybody just hate it. And that's what happened after a while. It got to a point where everybody started to hate me because that's all they saw was high times talking about the Cali connection because we were the biggest sponsors. We threw the money at it and it was all, it wasn't like we had investors. It was all the money that we made at the shows. We put right back into the shows and to pay our employees and to pay our guys and to make sure that we all survive, you know? So that's all it is. It was nothing other than just jam it down their throat and hopefully it works. And, here we are 13 years later. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what's your best advice you could give to someone who buys a pack of uh, 10 Cali Connection seeds and they're growing it out uh, in order to get the best, the most out of those genetics and, and to get uh, the highest quality product? If you could just put it in a nutshell, what's, what's the best advice you can give there? The same thing that I say every single time and I'll say it until I'm blue in the space. Patience. Be patient. It's going to work out. It, if it doesn't work out, guess what? It's a plant. You can try again. It's not going to matter. That's the joy of it. I mean, I get it. Like I bought seeds and they didn't germinate. You be cool. You contact the company and be cordial about it. I'm pretty sure that almost every company will send you some new stuff to rot. If you get to that point where you're looking at these awesome buds and you're like, man, they're done. They're not done. Don't <laughs> pick them. Wait three weeks. Trust me because – that ounce and a half that you were about to pull down is actually the three ounces that you were expecting it to be when you pull it down in those three weeks because it filled in. It looks done. It's not done. Be patient. It's a plant. Patience works. Trust me, it's going to help you develop that as well for yourself. It's going to teach you patience. Be patient with the plant. That's the best advice that I could offer every way. That's the only thing that I continuously tell people. Patient. Be patient. That's awesome. Well, uh, now, how can people get in touch with you, you uh, as far as uh, website, social media, and things like that if they want some seeds? Well, if they want to get some seeds, you can easily come to our website. It's the CaliConnection.com. We have our store. We ship worldwide. Uh, we ship FedEx with tracking, and we do take credit cards. Uh, nice shameless plug. And uh, you could go to the, you know our Instagram. We have the Cali Connection Seeds. We have the Real Cali Connection Seed Co., um, then I think we have on Facebook, I think it's Swerve Swervin is my Facebook. 
you could come yell at me. They won't let me. They won't allow me to follow more people because I've hit my my max. But you can still come on down and hang out and, and chat it up. Uh, like I said, IG is usually the best way, and uh, we chat it up. Email us sales at the Cali Swerve at the Cali Come, tell me, tell me your wants, your warrants, your likes, your dislikes. People love to complain to me. <laughs> a good pain cushion. Come on down. We're having a sale, never, but we'll try. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, man, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, traveling around the world and hanging out with you in all these different amazing places uh, Amsterdam, Spain, Hawaii. Uh, all over California Colorado, and everywhere else. Michigan, Cali, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Seattle. <laughs> I mean, all over, dude. Indeed. Indeed. So thank you so much, Swerve, uh, from the Cali Connection for being on the show. And we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself after these messages. Hey guys, Grow Bud Yourself is so proud to be sponsored by Sweet Leaf Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic and synthetic nutrients, uh, amazing amendments, great stuff on their website. And using the code DANKO15, you can get 15% off of everything at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. They have amazing organic fertilizers, amendments, indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, smell-proof bags, duffel bags, all kinds of backpacks, and an incredible line of newts that work wonderfully with cannabis. We got a great promotion going on with Patreon, where we're giving away sweet leaf nutrients at those different levels, and lots of promo codes there as well. So we are just super psyched to have Sweet Leaf on as a sponsor for the show, and we hope that you will also support them. Join us on our Patreon page for some free newts. And check out their site, sweetleaf.com, for nutrients and more. Hey, all right. Welcome back. And, uh, yeah, great interview with Swerve. That was that was awesome having him back it's always good show. to hear from Swerve. Yeah, totally. You know, old friend. Good to see him. Yes. And I think we are now in our cultivation segment. Uh, which is brought to you by Diamond Cut Co. Diamond Cut Company is the manufacturer of incredible premium quality trimming scissors. These are the cream of the crop. They are made by growers for growers. They're made with conscious ergonomic designs, and they have a variety of different uh, trimmers to choose from. Check them out at diamondcutco.com, and remember to use the code Danko 20 for 20% off on all the, uh, the trimmer scissors and also on like the packages where you can get three or five of the different blades. Easy to clean, very easy to use, and wonderful connoisseur quality trimming scissors from Diamond Cut Co. So thank you to them for being a sponsor and get your Diamond Cut Co. Trim, trimming scissors as soon as you can yeah it's a good deal and uh yeah use that danko 20 code but as you mentioned we are in the cultivation segment and as our listeners might know it has been a period of two weeks so it is time for of course strain of the fortnight yes strain of the fortnight the strain of this fortnight is hellraiser og from archive seed uh archive seed bank they are at archiveseedbank.com 
and the Hellraiser OG is a particularly fire OG cut. It's actually uh, part of the lineage is the fire OG and the face-off OG. So basically uh, the doctor is the breeder uh, for archive seeds and he took uh, the fire OG cut, which was made famous uh, by OG Rascal in the online forums of uh, the mid 2000s or so. And uh, what uh, the doctor did was he crossed that fire OG cut with his uh, infamous face off OG to create this uh, basically the next generation of Kush hybrids, very strong, uh, very flavorful smells like, you know, the funkiest of Kushes, exactly what you'd expect uh, from, you know, a Kush with fire in the name of it. Uh, so the Hellraiser is definitely an incredible strain. If you're growing it, you're going to need staking of some of some sort because it does tend to stretch between nodes. Uh, a lot of lumber there, but well worth it. Uh, use your fertilizers cautiously and certainly not at full strength because uh, it's a light feeder. So you don't want to overfeed this plant at all. Uh, it will make up for it with decent sized harvests, uh, perfect lime green nuggets, that sparkle like gemstones and deliver an amazing taste. So uh, the Fire OG crossed with the Face-Off OG uh, BX1 is the lineage for the Hellraiser OG. Flowering time is 10 weeks. And if you're interested in acquiring some, go to archiveseedbank.com. All right. Hellraiser OG. Excellent strain of the Fortnite. Yeah, so you guys should definitely learn a little bit more about that. Check it out. And um, our listeners know that each week you like to take on a grow topic that will help our listeners become better growers. So what would you like to discuss this week? Yeah, so this week I want to talk about growing big in small spaces. Uh, so kind of like micro grows uh, or even just closet grows or whatever, uh, small tent grows, but getting the most out of your space. So the first thing is you want to put a significant amount of your budget uh, towards three major things, and that's lighting, airflow and odor control so uh, you want to get decent lighting depending on the size of your space and how much heat you can handle um, you want to definitely have airflow and a vent fan uh, with an activated charcoal filter and a recirculating fan inside your space to keep air moving because in those small tight spaces air gets stagnant very quickly uh, another thing is you want to start with an indica dominant uh, plant or hybrid uh, something that's not going to stretch out or take forever to flower um, because it's just going to create a much more of an issue in a very small space. So you uh, you want to grow big in small spaces. So you definitely, there's some rules that apply uh, in order to take full advantage of every available inch. Um, so you're growing indica dominant plants. You want to use uh, training or trellising techniques for sure no matter what, even with the indica plants. Um, so whether that includes pruning, uh, whatever it is, if you're pinching branches, cutting them, uh, bending them, you've got to start early and do it often. So even when the plant is very young, two or three weeks into its life cycle, uh, you need to start with the uh, training. And the vegetative time is the time to do it. So you pretty much have that you know one to two month period depending on how long you're going with the veg in order to do this so uh you don't get a big yield out of a small space without training the plants i mean that's just 
uh, kind of, you know, 101 for uh, doing that. And if you want to increase the veg time, you also have to understand that that plant is going to fill out your space even more. Uh, you don't want to prune or plant, pinch your plants once they start flowering. So it, even as you approach flowering, so within like a week or so of when you're going to cut that cycle, uh, if you do it after that point, you're going to actually decrease your yields. So don't do that. Um, just bend them if you have to, to keep them from burning if they're going into the light. Uh, but you don't want to trim anything off after you started flowering. Um, trellising is great. Chicken wire works really good for this. Uh, but there's a lot of different things you can use. Um, ventilation, as mentioned earlier, is so important. If you're going to have uh, hotter space, then you need more CO2-rich air. So uh, get yourself one of those mushroom kits or or whatever they might be that produce CO2 for the room, and you can actually deal with a little bit of a more heat. So like 80 degrees or more uh, you can handle if you have the CO2 there. Um, you got to have intake fans bringing in fresh air. Uh, just make sure you use a very small micron filter uh, to keep pests and dust and mold and all that stuff at bay. Um, you got a light for your space. So if it is a really tight space, you may not want to go with uh, HID lighting. You might want to use uh, compact fluorescence or LEDs, something that creates a bit less heat, uh, easier to manage. Um, or you can use a lower wattage, a 250 watt HPS or metal halide. Um, just don't go with the overkill. You don't want a thousand watt light in a small tight space where you can't deal with the heat. It's just going to burn your plants and kill them. And yeah, I mean, basically whether it's a closet, a tent or a grow box, you really just have to make sure you're on top of those plants, uh, and bending and training them so they don't grow into the light. Uh, always factor in the fact that they're going to, they're going to stretch as well. So, uh, after, even after you've induced flowering, you might get a foot, foot and a half of the plant continuing to, uh, stretch sometimes less, sometimes more, but it's really depending on the strain and how it behaves. And, uh, it's important for you as a micro grower to just be able to manage all that extra growth and factor it in before, uh, you start that flowering cycle. All right. Very good. Excellent grow tip. And uh, now it is time for my favorite part of the show, uh, where we answer some questions from our listeners. And if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, please do get in touch with us. Uh, you could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also reach us on uh, socials, on YouTube, on Patreon. Uh, so do that. And uh, what do you say we hop right in here? Let's do it. All right. Let's start this off with Angel. Angel writes, hi, Danny and Mike. Thank you very much for all the information and entertainment. Listening to your podcast is one of the highlights of my week. Thank nice. You. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my question is, quite a few people out there like to remove all the fan leaves on a plant for the last couple weeks of flowering. They say it makes the plant concentrate on filling in the flowers. What is your opinion? So, uh, yeah, what, what would you say to Angel? Yeah, I would say... Uh... I don't think it's a good idea to remove all the fan leaves uh, on the, for the last couple of weeks of flowering. The fan leaves are the factories which take in the light and actually, you know, bulk up those flowers and and uh, and the essential oils as well. I mean, you need uh, that light to go into those fan leaves and then basically to convert into energy for the for the buds. 
there are times when defoliating your plant can uh, boost growth, but it's really much earlier in flowering or even also in veg where that's helpful. Uh, there's a book called, I think it's called Three Alight, uh, where they sort of detail schwazing or schwazing or something like that, where they do it at a certain time uh, during the cycle in order to sort of boost growth. But I don't think doing it in the last two weeks is going to uh, have the plant concentrate on the flowers. I think you're basically just shutting down growth. Now, if you want to take them off in the last day or two, just to ease the, the burden of trimming off those fan leaves later, you know, that's not such a big deal. But I, uh, I definitely would just hang dry the plants with those leaves on and, and pluck them off uh, basically as they dry. So I, I, I'm not a big proponent of defoliating in those last two weeks of flowering. All right. There you go. We uh, we hope that helps you out, Angel. Uh, let's move over to Big Daddy Blue Smoke. <laughs> right. Uh, love the podcast. You two convey a lot of great information. Keep up the spectacular work. I have not started growing bud, but I would love to once my home state of Connecticut makes it legal, at least if they include home grow. Um, I've heard other resources talk about topping the plants, but I've not heard Danny talk about it yet. So what is the process, and is there a point of diminishing returns? Interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, what do you think? Similar. Yeah, um, basically topping the plants uh, is basically taking off the growing shoot uh, at the top and then having that plant branch out a little more bushier. And uh, basically, you know, that process is quite simple. You just use a very sharp blade. Uh, if you're if you're literally topping, then you use a sharp blade to just cut off the top uh, right above a node where there's maybe two or possibly more branches popping out. Uh, and then those those will become the tops. So you'll have two or possibly three tops. And you can do that over and over with different branches as well uh, in order to produce more tops. And uh, the process is that you can do that throughout the vegetative cycle. Um, which is the early part of the plant growth where it's just growing uh, leaves and branches and not flowers. But once you start approaching flowering time, uh, you want to stop topping because now you're basically reducing the amount of flowering tops that you're going to have uh, by doing that. So I would say within uh, a week or two from when you're going to start flowering the plant, uh, stop topping the plant at that point. Uh, because that is the point of diminishing returns. So, but up until that point, uh, particularly with outdoor plants, you can top them throughout the spring and summer, uh, and you'll just get a much, much bushier plant with a, a, a greater yield. Uh, but once you get up to, you know, it's starting to go into fall, late July, early August, you just leave them alone and let those uh, tops that you've created fill out with flowers. All right. Very good. Makes sense. Uh, thank you, Big Daddy Blue Smoke. Let's uh, let's go to Adam. He writes, Dan and Mike, uh, congrats on sticking to such a regular schedule with the new version of the podcast. Thank okay. you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've been listening to you since your very first episodes way back in the sporadic free weed days. Yes, the free weed days. I have a question and a suggestion for you. All right, so I guess we'll let's take that question first, and then we'll we'll go to the suggestion. Um, question: 
Can citric acid burn or stunt seedlings if the solution pH is in range? I've heard citric acid can neutralize the chloramine in my city's tap water, but since I've tried to use it, I've had no luck with new plants. My tap water pH is 8 or higher sometimes, so I used pure powdered citric acid to bring that pH down to 6. I'm using Promix BX peat moss mixture. Uh, thanks for any advice on using citric acid. I fear I'll just have to go back to getting RO water refills from the grocery store. So what do you think there, Dan? Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I don't know a lot about using citric acid as a pH down or uh, to neutralize chloramine. So it sounds like you're, if you're having no luck with that, I don't, you know, I, I don't know too much about it, but I do know obviously anything acidic is going to bring down pH. Um, if your tap water is regularly eight or higher and, you know, you're trying to bring that down with citric acid, but having no luck with the plants, I would suggest just using regular pH down, uh, to try to get that down to, you know, six, two, six, five around that, you know, just slightly on the acidic side. Um, yeah, I don't know enough about using citric acid like that. Um, as far as getting re RO water refills from the grocery store, at, at a certain point, you might just want to invest in your own RO machine and just run your tap water through that. Uh, because if you're, if you're spending money on refills anyway, uh, you know, it, I think it pays after a while just to have your own RO machine and do it at, at home yourself uh, and not have to be, be beholden to the grocery store. So that's what I would suggest. I, uh, you know, I would go back to RO water and just add your nutrients and then pH balance everything. All right. Well, it seems like we're all on good terms here. But Adam goes on uh, with this little bit. <laughs> uh, Adam writes, I love all the knowledge you both share, but I've got to call out a glaring hole in your expertise. Whenever autoflowers come up on the show, it seems your info and views are more 2010 than 2021. Uh, a lot has changed in this part of the grow community, and I'd love to hear more people on the podcast who represent the current auto community. Full duplex from Mandalorian Genetics would be great. His autos are being used commercially now. Someone like Dr. MJ Coco would be good, too, with his knowledge of LEDs and autos. So a little constructive criticism, I guess, from Adam. Uh, what say you, Dan? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely appreciate, uh, you know, your constructive criticism, Adam. Uh, it's probably true just because, you know, I, that's how I learned about autoflowers is, is, you know, from the old days of lowrider uh, and, you know, the ruderalis genetics having uh, somewhat diluted the potency levels of those, you know, the original first few generations of autos. Now, I've definitely seen... Uh, much better autos from companies like Dynafem over in Spain uh, and such where they've definitely increased the potency levels. Uh, they've even got Hayes autos. But I would definitely love to reach out to some of these uh, auto breeders that are doing the work now. You mentioned Mandalorian and uh, um, Dr. MJ Coco. I, I would love to talk to them about auto so that's a great idea i do definitely appreciate that and uh we will be reaching out to some auto flower breeders to talk more about uh how far they've come you know in the last decade or so that you mentioned and you know of course you know in, even in the old days i've always said that auto flowers have their place and certainly in, in there's lots of places where people 
uh, grow them for a variety of different reasons, uh, one of them being ease of use, uh, another one being able to grow uh, and, and harvest twice in, in a summertime, you know, or in a season, and, you know, being able to grow under the sunshine of the summer and actually have your flowers uh, be developing in that full, full sun. So, you know, I, even when everybody was poo-pooing autoflowers, I was still uh, somewhat on board, you know, at that, at that point. And I think, as mentioned earlier in the interview, you know, people are making more and more concentrates out of autoflowers that they grow. And I think that's a great thing. So uh, I'd love to learn more about autos and have some of these uh, breeders come on and talk about it. So thank you for the suggestion and the criticism. And uh, keep, keep on keeping on in the birthplace of bubblegum. Thanks, Adam. All right. Yeah, thank you, Adam. We appreciate that. And uh, okay, yeah, let's move on to C-Dub. Um, this one gets interesting. Uh, C-Dub writes, hey, Danny and Mike, uh, thank you for the great information and entertainment from your podcasts. Uh, I have a question regarding some seeds that I have. Due to a hermaphrodite in the grow tent that was caused by a light leak, I had four different cultivars and only the Jack Herer hermed. It pollinated my blueberry, wedding cake, and amnesia haze. If I grew the seeds, would they have a tendency to produce hermaphroditic seeds? Uh, then he goes on to say, uh, The reason I want to grow them is because I was using the cremated remains of my childhood best friend in all of the growing mediums. Uh, we promised each other that whoever passed first, the other would grow into beautiful ganja plants. In theory, do you think that some of the nutrients from his body live on in the seeds that were produced? I would love to stabilize the genetics and pass them down to his son when it's age appropriate. Thank you so much. Uh, Danny, <laughs> wh what do you think? Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. I've, I've never had this question before. Uh, I've certainly, well, not in this particular form. Huh. Um, so uh, first off, you know, I'm sorry about your childhood best friend. Uh, my condolences. Uh, for your loss. Now, as far as the uh, seeds that come from a hermed plant caused by a light leak, um, what's going to happen is they're not going to produce only hermaphroditic seeds. They're going to produce half female and half hermaphroditic seeds. So you can, you will find all female uh, plants amongst hermaphroditic plants at about a 50-50 rate or so. Um, this is how breeders create uh, feminized seeds basically is they they force a plant to hermaphrodite then they use that uh pollen you know in quotation marks because there's no male genetics in the pollen um what it has to do with is the when a plant is stressed it feels like it's going to die and it needs to reproduce and if there's no males around the female will grow male uh you know genitalia so to speak and and pollinate itself in order to just live another year in the hopes of then being pollinated by a male in the next generation. So it's like a fear uh, impulse by the plant that happens. And as I mentioned, what, what the uh, results are is half female and half hermaphroditic seeds. So you can grow them out. And what I would do is just keep a really close eye on them. And any of them that uh, remain hermaphroditic, I would get rid of. And any of them that are all female, you can keep. And in that way, you know, you still sort of have a piece of your friend uh, in those seeds and in those plants. And I think that's a beautiful thing. As far as the nutrients from his body, I mean, 
bone ash and 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 bone meal and these things are are nutrients and they are taken in by plants and so um i think in theory that you know there are nutrients from his body living in those seeds and in the plants that you would grow from them uh but i think it's also you know a, a matter of elements so so you know there's calcium and nitrogen and phosphorus and and all that but is that your friend i don't know you know that's a metaphysical question but um certainly very interesting question and uh again sorry for your loss and and it's it definitely bring makes me think about you know what i what i want to have happen with my body once i'm gone so uh, you know there's nothing better than to re reuse that uh that resource and have it live on in something else and what better thing to have it live on than the cannabis plant so um yeah very interesting and uh as mentioned you will be able to get some all-female seeds out of there so you can continue to breed with them and what happens is you go from 50 percent female and hermaphroditic to 75 percent to you know 80 percent and and so on until you can have it be almost all just female plants and that's how breeders create uh feminized seeds all right. Well, there you go. Kind of made me think of that old story that the uh, the High Times staff smoked Tom Fursad's ashes. Yeah, you know? at Windows on the World, mm. World Trade Center, allegedly. Right. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, what are we at? Twenty five here. Uh, that's that's going to have to do it there for our uh, Q and A portion. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. And if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. Again, the email is info at growbudyourself.com. Definitely uh, let us know what you would like to know. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and then wrap this up? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. We are back, and I believe it's time for the wrap. It's time to wrap it up, man. Well, what a show. Episode number 41. Thank you to Jock and Winstrong. Thank you to Swerve. Uh, thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Thank you to Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Diamond Cut Co., Trimming Scissors. Always check them out. Remember the deals that you get for being Grow Bud Yourself listeners. Uh, join us at patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, check out vapor.com. That GBY code gets you 15% off everything, all the vaporizers and accessories at vapor.com. Uh, thank you to them. Uh, thanks to Mike G., my co-host, my producer, my cohort. <laughs> 41, man. It's a yeah, lot. episode 41. It's been a great one. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, why don't we put it in the books, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Wrap it up, Pete.